and somebody had passed away because of, you know, they were basically cold. Yeah. Um, and really in Canada, eh? <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I did a removal an hour and a half into my job shadowing. Jeez. What's the policy on uh, on inappropriate words, if you will? We love to to let let it fly. So uh, okay, you okay, can, fair you enough. Can bring it. You can bring it today, Mac. You can. Okay. As you're okay. as you're coming from Toronto, uh, another one of our beautiful uh, Canadian guests. We always love to to hear about the differences that we see here in the states, as we can see in Canada, and also today we're going to be talking a lot about prep room and how it is regarded in the industry and outside the industry as should we be vocalizing it? Should we keep it a secret? Max got some great insight on that. A lot of prep, a lot of experience throughout the funeral industry. He's been doing it for 13 years. Is that right, Mac? I know you started when you were super young. So uh, give, yeah. us, give us a little, give us the rundown. Let's hear it. So you want when I was born or no? Yeah, let's let's start from way back then. Uh, so, your earliest memory. What was your earliest memory that you could think of right now on the spot? I'm not kidding. So my earliest memory of not even being in a funeral home, but just being a, a child. And I knew I was, if you will, built different just because, I, you know, like when no, it comes to this, in, when it comes to this industry, this profession alone, uh, it takes a, you know, obviously you hear it all the time, that special kind of someone, a special this, special that, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I was, I, I remember clear as day when I, when I was a little kid, I would go off and play into the yard or play into a field across the street and I would sit on the ground, dig holes, put things in the holes and bury those said objects. It doesn't matter what it was. I was just doing it. Wow. Uh, and I you... found it, I found it fascinating that when I would put the dirt on top and it would have like that grave, that grave uh, edge to it. Right. Sure, so, sure. you know, it was, didn't think anything of it. I was bearing boxes. Like I said, it didn't matter what it was. I was just putting shit in the ground basically. Why? Um, Why? What do you think I, it was? that? that I, don't, I don't know. I, and I think, you know what? I think it's, it's, I don't want to say it's part of a greater plan, but there was always a reason for it. There's always a reason for something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a reason why I drove today. There was a reason why I picked my nose yesterday. Who knows what it was, yeah. but there's a reason. And yeah. it wasn't until, you know, my, my grandparents started to, you know, pass away. Sure. And we'd be exposed to the, you know, seeing the open caskets. Cause back then, I mean, early two thousands, it was open casket. Cremation oh. was a thing, but it wasn't, you know, really a, a thing like it is today. Sure. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember going up to the casket and seeing my grandmother or my grandfather, um, you know, you look at them and you, you, you'd see it, but you would look, and I know this conversation has come up before when you look at somebody and you see like, the rising of their stomach and you're like, Whoa, yeah. Whoa. Right. So it was always a, it was always interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think what really hit the nail in the coffin, so to say, <laughs> yeah. Um, was my grandfather's sudden passing, um, in 2013 and I was 15 or 16. No, I was definitely 15. Um, and it was definitely, uh, being exposed to that so you know 
I guess, early on and being very much aware of what was going on. Sure. But I still vividly remember everything and every detail today. Um, and going to the funeral home, seeing him lie, uh, lie in the casket. And then I started to really say, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is something that I would be interested in doing. Right. And um, I started looking more into it. And was able to acquire or acquire a um, a co-op in high school where I got my feet wet. Okay. And the first day, the very first day of my co-op, I met the funeral director who was also the owner at the time. He has since passed away. Uh-huh. Um, but I met him at a parking lot close to where I'm at. We went and did a graveside service. No kidding. Like I, I wasn't even 10 minutes into my, my job observation or job shadowing. Yeah. We're doing a graveside service and he pulls me aside and says, we just got a new call. There's been a passing in one of the uh, communities in the area. Yeah. And I remember it because we had no power through the whole day. And there was some communities that were experiencing, you know, no heat in their houses and somebody had passed away because of, you know, they were basically right. cold. Yeah. Um, Jeez. And only in Canada, eh? <laughs> yeah, I was I I did a removal an hour and a half into my job shadowing. Jeez! And he told me afterwards, like everything was done. We brought the body back to the funeral home. We laid the I think it was a lady. Yeah, it was a lady. Uh, we laid her on the the table, yep. and he said, you know, if there was power, I would show you the embalming. Because we have all permissions. We just, there's no power, so I can't do anything. And I remember he said to me, he said, (laughs) yeah, the percolator. Um, I remember he said to me, he said, listen, if I didn't think you could do it, I wouldn't have asked you. Yeah. But he he said, you know, he only knew you for 8.5 minutes. So how would he know? Yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm saying. And, and I remember he, he, he said to me, um, you know, there's people, who are naturally curious about what we do and there's people who are born to do this. And he said, I strongly believe that you are honestly born to do this as a job. That's cool. I thought, huh, that's pretty neat. And then I did the co-op and then I went into, um, you know, did a few other job placements down and around Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, And I worked for a really big company um, in, in the GTA who does transfers. And I know anybody who's in Canada or in Ontario, really, who yeah. you'll know who I'm talking about, uh-huh. massive transfer company. Um, and I actually worked with them and worked for them when I was going to school to yeah. be a funeral director. Nice. And the experience was just overwhelming, right? It was just so, so much to take in. So yeah, yeah 15 years of age, I started in this profession and it's sure. like I'm 27 now. Like it's. It flies, yeah. it flies by when you're having fun. I remember my, I still, my first uh, removal myself was my, my own grandmother. Uh, my, uh, my dad was like, all right, you're going to, you're going to help me out. She was, she was sick for a long, long time, unfortunately. And um, it was a blessing for our family when she, was eventually able to go on, but um, mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget it. That was my my first ever transfer was was my own grandma, and uh, we had to take her and we had to lift up the cot because it was a tight turn, you know. And uh, my it was the middle of summer, I think it was, and my dad's just dripping sweat, and I 
and try to hold in the laughter as he's trying to finagle this thing. Cause I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, it's funny that little things stick with you. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like with your grandfather, like that stuck with you and made you believe this is something that I, I should be doing. I want to do. And it makes you think about that might be affecting not, not might be, it affects other people in that great of a way, what we do every day. And so it's yeah. really a breath of fresh air to think about that and say, Hey, we're having a big impact on the lives of other people, whether, you know, it's a good thing or a bad thing. And hopefully almost always it's a good thing. And that's why we have to strive to, to 100%, 100%. Yeah. And it, uh, like I, and I know, um, you know, and I, it's when I first became licensed, mm -hmm. um, I used to always think, oh yeah, I can talk to people. Arrangements have to be easy if all I'm doing is just talking and explaining yeah. things, sure. but I'll tell you right now. And I, I feel like this might go for some people may not go for other people, but the moment that I first sat in an arrangement and actually did it by myself. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I've ever tripped over my tongue so much in my life. <laughs> right. And you don't want to, and you don't want to tell them, Hey, listen, I'm new here. I don't know really much what's going on, but I'm going to try my best. Right. Cause then they're like, uh, or did we get the discount funeral home? What's going on? <laughs> right. So like, yeah. you know, the, the anxiety's through the roof. You're sweating. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's crazy how much this industry can impact newly directors still age directors veteran directors and even the families right like it's yeah. just it's a whirlwind it is and uh it's something that you experience as you're going through things and and that's why we we do have such a special job because it's not for everyone it's not an easy thing to do you have to be on your toes you have to be thinking ahead you have to be well spoken you have to present yourself in a way that's going to comfort the family and you also have to understand the family and be able to pick up on that really quick. So yeah, whether it's not a family that you could joke around with a little bit, whether or not it's a family that they're really at odds and you have to be a peacemaker, or there's another family where you need to take a step back and let them do their thing. You learn those things over time. And that's what's what makes you a better funeral director. But it's not just something that you can just go, yep, I can do it tomorrow. No, no it no. takes a lot of practice, a lot of effort. And, and you know, that even just reminds me now that you were saying that, uh, I remember when I first started with the company that I'm uh, currently with, um, he said, how are your arrangement skills? And I said, well, you know, like everything, there's always room for improvement, right? Yep. I don't care if you're 48 years license or two years license, there's always room to improve your skills and really, really bring it in right, right to the home base. Yep. And I remember uh, the first set family I sat down with there my boss was walking by uh, the arrangement office and he could hear the family howling, like just laughing, pissing their uh, pants, laughing. Yeah. One lady actually had to leave because she was crying and laughing. She had to excuse herself because she couldn't stop. And afterwards they had left. Uh, we said our goodbyes and he goes, you know, you're the first director that I've actually have been able to walk by an arrangement office and hear a family laughing. Usually it's the complete opposite, but this family, he's like, is that, did you just did that on purpose or did you know? I said, you know what? It's one of those things that I'm able to do. I can narrow in and figure out if this family is going to be able to accept it yeah. or should I just completely keep it professional and to the books, right? 
And that I will say has, you know, given me such great honor to be able to, to read people like that, because, you know, I find it makes the job just a little bit more easy. Right. So, you know, like I said, it's not for everybody, but uh, the ones who, uh, who love it, who do it, you know, kudos to us, if you will. No doubt. It's an art when it comes down to being able to, to read people and read families like that. And, able to to lighten the mood and the tension and like you said mac like funeral directors need that and so do the family mm-hmm. a lot of times new yeah too it, it's not just us like most of us very much enjoy a good sense of humor that's a lot of what we we try to try to bring to the industry in our own way but the families a lot of times are going to need that too because they're so tense and there's so mm-hmm. much pressure mm-hmm. and there's a lot to plan and a lot to think about a lot to do and a lot of emotions and when you have a well-placed joke or comment or whatever it might be, it could go a long way with the family to just give them a sense of relief a little that life, life is not, it's not, it is very serious in that moment, but it's not that serious. We need to, to sometimes break that wall. And that's a very powerful thing that you're able to do, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. And cause uh, like I, I always tell families just right before we begin the arrangements, you know, uh, my job today is really to get all your questions answered if i can't it'll be answered prior to you leaving yeah. the last thing i want any and i like i this is literally from what i usually say the last thing i want for any of us is for you to leave and scratch your head i like that a lot because really you, if you if you scratch if you're if the families are leaving and they're scratching their head that means there's unanswered questions and that means that you know was this, was this, you know, then they, you know, more stuff on their mind and more issues yeah. and more stress. And the last thing that we want as, as caregivers, funeral directors and bombers, morticians, whatever you want to call yourself is to have the family, you know, think that things are being done and, you know, maybe question it. Right. Cause then the phone calls start to ring yeah. and if the arrangements take, and thankfully my, my, my management team is, super forgiving when it comes to the fact of if the arrangements take two hours or three or five we've all been there we've all had those arrangements that's tough (laughs) hell i did an arrangement a month ago and it took five and a half hours oh my goodness right because the family had so many questions and there was so much detail that they were so undecisive i looked at it as in okay if i step on their toes this family's kind of iffy if i step on their toes and say okay this is what needs to be done this is what we're going to do i could see it blowing up very very much so i had to take it step by step by step and it was just one of those families right we all have those families no doubt sometimes i to be to to be more led sometimes like this is this is you know nudge them in that direction but sometimes it's let them run their course give them their options and be meticulous with every detail. And that sounds like what you had there. Cause I, I don't envy anyone yeah. that has to do that. That's a long, very, and long as, as, as bad as it sounds, I, you know, and I don't want to sound uh, crude or rude oh. or, you know, anything like that, but, and I, and I feel like we can all agree on this when there's more than two people to three people in the arrangement office, nothing's going to get done because everyone's bouncing ideas. Everyone has something to say. Everyone has to put an opinion. Like it's just, it's chaotic. Right. And unless you know how to bring everybody in, shut them up, if you will, 
and say, this is what needs to get done. This is what we have to figure out. If there's any questions, let's get to them now. Or if you need questions answered, interrupt me halfway through or whatever. Stop me. We'll discuss it. We'll move on. Yeah. Right? Because the more people that are in the arrangement office, the more you're going to end up spending in it because nobody, everyone has to say something. And it's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> let's just, you sit in the corner. You sit over there. Let's, let's focus. And I'm going to talk to the, to the main point of contact. It's, yeah. it's, it's a really good point. Like everyone wants to, to get one thing in. So if you have more people, it's just, they're going to, they're going to spend a lot of time over the little details because everyone wants to make sure that they have their fingerprints on. For sure. Purpose. So everyone's like, or they're either going to go against something or they're going to say, Oh, we should do this or we should change this. And it, it, it makes it harder for us to balance because we need to be so patient and helpful with them. But at the same time, it might cause a family to cause some uh, arguments and confliction when they don't really need it. It's such a challenging thing because we want to be there for them and we want all of their family's opinions to matter and to, to be heard and be known. Uh, yeah. so it's one of those tricky things that you just have to figure out what way is best for you and what way is best for each individual family, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's... Like I said, thankfully we we don't get those kinds of families all the time. Right. But when you do, it's just uh, all right. Sit back, buckle in. This is going to be a pretty comfy, comfy joy right here. Yeah, and, and that's it. They have to grin and bear it and get through it on the other side. Then yeah. you know they're going to be gone in a week's time usually. So you know you just yeah. gotta you gotta do what you have to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let let me hear a little bit about. Your actual career then, um, we talked about how you got started, sort of. Um, where where were you at the beginning? I know you were at a larger firm doing more behind the scenes, and now it seems like you're doing a little bit of uh, everything. Let, let me hear the, the, the career that is Mac. So uh, how many years have been licensed? Um, it's been four years, five years, including my internship. It'll be five years come 2024, I think. I might have to bring up the calculator later on because I honestly forget half the time. Um, so when I did my internship um, or when I was in school, I was working, like I said, for the uh, that really large firm yep. or that big company, transfer company in, uh, in the GTA or in Ontario. Um, and I decided to say, you know what? No, I want to experience the family-owned side yeah. um, during my internship. So I moved away to a uh, quieter town and like you know 90 percent of you know interns or directors i lived above the funeral home right and uh it's it's the it's the beautiful aspect of i love this job so much i could just work 24 hours a day and by golly i feel yeah. like they heard me talking in my head oh. because it was you know what at first it was great because i wanted to bend over backwards and show my my enthusiasm. Yeah. But I think at the end of the internship, I thought, what the fuck did I get myself into? Because, <laughs> you know, we're looking at two o'clock in the morning and I got a transfer. I'm not even on call. I don't even think there is no set on call schedule. It's, hey, hey, Mac, uh, I know you're, are you at the funeral home right now? And you would be damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because if you said, uh, no, no, not here. Well, your car is here. I see you on the camera. Well, yeah. Right. Oh. So, yeah. So I, for a walk. I quick, I'm an hour out. <laughs> yeah, I went for a walk. Um, so after my internship, I thought, you know what? I definitely want to move back home 
So luckily enough, I was able to uh, secure a job at my hometown. Okay. Um, and that was around the time that my dad was getting very sick. He, uh, he acquired a rare uh, disease called uh, Guillain-Barre or Guillain-Barre syndrome. And it attacks your nervous system Jeez. on its own. And it basically, the way he puts it is it's when your legs go to sleep. Like when you're, when you're on the john for too long and your yeah. legs go numb, yeah. it's that kind of numb. You can't walk, but you can feel everything. Yeah. That was me after, after Christmas evening. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Right. So um, you know, it, it started from the feet and all the way up to his neck. So I was fortunate enough that I literally moved back home in the nick of time really? to kind of take care of him if need be, because he ended up going into the hospital for nine months. Oh my it was a very chaotic scene um, oh. while working. And, uh, you know, the job was great. I was, uh, I wasn't doing much arrangements. I was still in the, in the prep room and, you know, a part of me thanks my previous manager because he uh, he is what well, and I, he he has autism. So Asperger's autism it's yeah. it's the same category now these yeah. days. Uh, but he his hyper fixation was making sure the eyes and the mouth are perfect, perfect. Make for a good embalmer. <laughs> I thought. I was a or underneath. Yeah, I, like I thought I was a pretty damn okay in bomber, and I say okay because I was still, you know, I just got finished my my internship. I just wrote my board exams. There's no way in hell I'm an amazing right. bomber, right? So yeah. I thought, you know what? They're they're pretty good. I thought I was told, and then when I moved locations, it was a big kick in the ass because he's like, no, this is this is all shit, and I remember. There would be times he would come downstairs, wouldn't say a damn thing to me. He would look and he would get down right level to the table. And if the eyes weren't shut, like I, I swear, bring out a ruler. And if the eyelashes didn't touch the ruler kind of thing, like he was very meticulous with how everything was. His bodies were like that. My bodies had to be like that. And if they weren't like that, redo it. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but you got to figure out how to do it. So I was left to my own device trying to figure out and please him. Yes. It was crazy. But that year and a half or two years that I was there, honing in on my uh, my embalming skills and using tints properly and, and really nailing the color in the hands. Holy shit. It sense. has led me to have really good experiences and really, cause he was a trade and bomber for many years. Oh, okay. So he really, really had the experience and oh, like man. it was, it was freaky because every single body that he ever prepped always looked like they were sleeping. Like you hear that, but when you actually see it, you're like, whoa. Right. Cause you, you have an embalmed body and then you have my manager's body and you're like, that's, that's, that's kind of freaky. Yeah. And I was able to get that experience. So I, know, I want to know, give us give us a couple uh, tips or tricks that you learned from him. Uh, that, so, that's, that's very interesting. Give us a couple. I, I'd love to know what he did that was different that made so, such a big difference. Like, and and I don't know if it's luck or if it's or if it's the actual um, what he does. But I remember now. This is what I do. So everything that he taught me, I do. 
Okay. Right. Um, so I'm just mirroring him right now as I, as I'm thinking. So let's just say, for example, I don't co-inject or sorry, I don't pre-inject any bodies. Okay. The only time I pre-inject a body is if it's jaundice only time. Okay. And I put two what's and a half. Thinking, what's the thinking behind that? So the reason why is because what I want to do, and I will actually do step by step because this is, it's, 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 it's never failed me. And I've done many jaundice cases. I've never had a failed case on this. Oh. Um, so jaundice. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Let's hear um, it. So what he, so what I do is um, when it comes to jaundice bodies, I will pre-inject always, no matter what. I don't give a damn what it is. Pre-injection yeah. all the way. With what? So what we do is I do two bottles, uh, bottle to two bottles of rectifiant because I use Dodge. Okay. So two bottles of rectifiant, and I will use three to four bottles of Metaflow. Okay. Strong. And then I oh yeah yeah. And what I will do is I will put about 10 ounces of tint. So we're doing tan. We're doing 10 ounces, 8 to 10 ounces of suntan. And a, a pretty much almost the same amount for their peach if people use peach from Dodge. Okay. okay. And then I will put um, about a bottle. Yeah, I'll put a bottle of Halts GX, like that tissue gas stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I will make sure you got to make sure the water in the tank is hot. It can't be cold. It's got to be hot because the chemical will war will basically neutralize the warmth and bring it to a room temperature. Oh, okay. Right. And then you just yeah. pre-inject. I put it on uh, the, the pulsate for a little bit pre-inject because what I want to do and what he's always told me was you want to make sure to pull that color out the tint isn't going to cause a the body to go a different color. You're going to get red. Yeah. And not not yellow or not green. So yeah. you want to make sure you put as much in the first time and let it sit. If you can let it sit for 15, 20 minutes, hell, even 45 minutes to let it do its thing. And then you inject normally. And there's so still the tint last... in there though too. Say it again? There's still tint in there as you go too, isn't there? Yeah. Sometimes the last Jonas body that I did, I actually put, uh, I put the same amount of tint the first time. And then the second time I put two, three ounces of each of tint. Got it. Okay. I put another bottle of Halt. I put, uh, I think I did, uh, two bottles of, uh, medicine or metacin and a bottle of Regal humect, like the humectant. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. you know, my, my boss has always said, why do you, why are you going to put, why are you doing that? watch just watch and yeah. sure enough the only part of the body that i just did the only part of the body that was jaundice was the tip of his toes the rest of it gone wow and you don't use gone. any jaundice fluid then at all in there because canada doesn't doesn't have any jaundice fluid the only jaundice oh. chemicals that are in dodge canada would be medicine wow okay that's it that's it we don't have like uh, I, I feel like you guys would have like a John Deco or whatever it would be called. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't have that. So I've been told that the the next thing would be medicine if you don't have the uh, the jaundice wow. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you because the yeah okay the big thing for me is the tint right because the tint's not going to cause the body to go green or any other discolored area right it's going to cause it to go red hell i would want red or a brown than a yellow or a green all right day. all day yeah so you know i'm not saying put the whole bottle of tint in there but don't be afraid to get your hands dirty either yeah 
Yeah. I because do. you can always flush it out when you're putting your chemical in. Right. Right. Hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a real nice tip. I like that. I'm going to use that for my next one. Uh, yeah. I don't go quite, uh, quite as heavy on that pre-injection. I definitely don't wait because I don't like to wait, but I will <laughs> just to get the result. I'm going to give that a go. That's awesome. What about, what about uh facial? Cause you said that, you know, your, your, uh, your experience in Balmer that you learned from. Yeah. You made so, uh, you know, the, the mouth, I'm, I've had, I had an intern last year that uh, worked under me and I, I, it was almost just, I mirrored my previous employer because I was anal. I wasn't as hard. Like I was nowhere near as hard on uh, my intern than he was with me, but you know, I would come in there and say, you know what, there's, there's some pretty good gaps into, into the mouth, right? We need to build that up. Right. So take cotton, put it in there. Um, If the person has no teeth, what I do is I take a good amount of cotton and just jam it down their throat and build it up. Okay. Because okay. it'll build something. Make sure the mouth is closed, but then just start stuffing cotton and build it up. Then once you get the cheeks slightly filled and then over, put a lot of uh, that K-lip in there because that will help you know kind of form and do what you need to do. Um, anytime I do a prep, I always make sure that the bottom lip has a slight curl to it. Because right. naturally, when your mouth is closed, you have a slight curl to your bottom lip, right? Mm-hmm. Not like a frowny face, but mm-hmm. a naturally slight curl. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if, if the naturally the dimples are there, I will leave them. If there's wrinkles right at the corner, you know those wrinkles have been there for a reason. So I will do something with that. I, I like to make sure that the body looks better than what they were when they passed away. That's always, and that's everybody's goal, obviously. But you know, the comments that I strive for is, "Wow, she looks better dead than she did when she was alive the past couple of months." Best compliment ever. Exactly right. So, and my theory is, I would rather use tint and embalming chemicals if it's needed than cosmetics. If I can get away with cosmetics, hundred percent any day. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always yeah. better to cosmetize from the inside out and then like just have to use a little bit of tint on there and not have to use any actual cake is like a, what I like to call it. No cake. And and like even with the, the eyelashes, right? You don't need to make sure that they're pointing straight up to the sky because naturally our eyelashes don't, right? They, they point down, um, yeah. right? Yeah. When you, when, you, when you look, they point naturally down. So keep yeah. them down. You don't need to point them up. Um, make sure the tear ducts are closed, right? Cause nobody likes seeing big gaps. And right. if you have a hard time closing them, I yeah. take a Q-tip with a little bit of K-lip and just kind of dab it in there and it stays. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I do the same. Like, um, I'll heat up a little bit of wax, like in my hand, I'll just dab it right there. Boom. Done. Cause that, yeah. that's the worst. Like you can't see that or any gaps and, uh, you know, it's, it's the worst when you, when you see that the, you can't, you can't have it. Do you use eye caps? Do you do anything? So I do. Now, naturally, if if the eye is already naturally closed and I know I've got great color in the face and I know that there's not a chance those eyes will open, I won't even use eye caps. There's been many times where I won't use eye caps because, or even mouth closures like uh, the needle injector or the submandibular, I won't even use it because if the body came in with a tight mouth, I would, I would be shocked. I'll, I'll hand over my license to my board if the mouth popped open 
right. during the visitation, right? Like it's, it's right. the confidence that I have in my work that I know. No, um, and it, it's just, it's one of those things that I'm more of a watch me hands-on kind of person than trying to explain it because, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, how did I do this? I just, I know it automatically how to do it. Right. So like right. with that jaundice body and my boss was, uh, I remember my, my manager right now, he, he was slightly concerned with the amount of tint that I was using, but I told him, I said, listen, just trust it. I have not had a failed jaundice body yeah. in the five years that I've been prepping. And I've done probably 35, 38 cases of jaundice ranging yeah. from low to very extreme. Sure. Um, so it just depends, right? I, not one of those cases have failed on me. So I know that my work, when it comes to that, I can trust it. Right, right. I want to try milk, but I mean, we can't do that, I guess. I know. I've always wanted to try it too. I think we all wanted to try it. I want to try it. But you, you got to use homogenized. You don't want to. You don't want to risk it. You know. You don't want to. Yeah. Risk that on a family, it's not worth it. But I, I'd like yeah. to know if anyone's actually done it. You know what? I would love to know. I've I've seen some some research, and I've I, I know there was a director out in Alberta, Canada, and he did a study, and he had done it because the family wanted the body embalmed. The body was jaundice. The body did, or the family did not want to see the body. Like there was like no, we're actually going back home. We just want to make sure this is done. So get it done, and then when the cremator remains, because I think the person was being cremated, I'm not sure, but he from what I could read, he ended up doing the homogenized milk and he broke it down step by step by step by step because he said to the family, he's severely jaundiced. Um, there is a method that might work. There's been some research. Do you, yeah. Right? Had him sign off on it saying that, yes, homogenized milk is okay to use during the embalming. Like He cleared it with the family and then step by step by step broke it down so that you can actually see detailed. And he said cool. it was nothing but great success. Wow. And apparently if you leave the fluorescent lights on in the, in the prep That's, room overnight. I do that for any drama yeah. case. Like you gotta yeah. leave them on. That's gonna, that's gonna help for sure. Um, it doesn't work for me. Uh, we have LEDs in the prep room. So. Yeah. It just to I, uh, out, try to flush out right. any of that yellow. Oh, for sure. It's it's huge, very cool. That's that's awesome. Uh, let's dive into that that concept that we were wanting to talk about too. Um, oh yeah, how, how the prep room uh, has changed a little bit over the years. I mean, you've been doing this for about the same amount of time as me. Um, how have you seen a shift in the way that the prep room is seen in the public versus in the private eyes uh, of our community uh, in funeral service? So, you know, it, it, it's hard to say how it's going, how it shifted um, from what I can see. And this is really just for the sake of, you know, scrolling through social media, Facebook yeah. to, be or to be, you know, an example yeah. and seeing those, those groups that a lot of funeral directors are a part of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the common question and the common, you know, comments that people make are, what are your thoughts about family seeing the prep room? What are your thoughts about this? What are your thoughts about that? Or knowing and when it's all room, right? When it's when it's all geared towards the prep room, and you know, you you see the comment section, and it's it's split right down the middle, 50-50. Some people say nope, everything needs to be hush hush, quiet quiet. You know, you you, it's 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 like we're 
protecting Area 51 in the prep room. Yeah, no kidding. Exactly. And, and, you know, I have gotten into, um, you know, heated arguments, if you will, with people over Facebook because yeah. in my theory, in my eyes, why? Why is it so quiet? Why do we have to yeah. keep it secretive, right? It's not like we're, you know, going around and, and saying this, 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 this. My thing is, is that there's so much, uh, you know, people, controversy. There's so much controversy regarding how embalmings are done and what the prep room looks like from these, right. you know, people who don't do it for a living. Right. And I always think, well, the reason why they're there is because people don't know. Exactly. Yeah. If people knew about it, it might not be so intimidating, right? It's not like it's. I'm not saying to take a family, you know, when you're giving a tour around the funeral home to just expose them, right? Uh, they don't need to go. be. No. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, if a family says, "Hey, uh, you know, would we be able to wash mom or dress mom?" Um, you know, there's been times where I have brought families into the prep room, many times. Yeah. Right now, mind you, there is on the exception that there's nobody else in there. Right. Right. Exactly. Because I don't want to call the, another family up and say, listen, no. uh, we have a family here that's going to be dressing. Do you mind if they're near your love? Like, it, yeah. no. Right. No, you, that conversation you know. <clears throat> doesn't even need to be had. Um, we well, will wash. Always, do you have a, a table on wheels? Like, do you have that? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And we will that? bring them into yeah. a common room. Yeah. 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 We've done that. But, you know. Um, you know, the prep room is always sanitary. It's always clean because I want to make sure that if for whatever reason the board decides to waltz in there, right, it's not a mess, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm very strong about, you know, if the family is here and the family wants to see where their loved one is going to be, again, with the exception that the room is currently empty or so-and-so, sure. then why not? There, there's there's yeah. no... It doesn't need to be secretive. And I, I've always been a firm believer on that. I think transparency is huge because people are Key. so knowledgeable now. And it's, I, I mean, I think you know about me, like I want to be fully transparent with the stuff that we're doing because not only is it best practice because then families will understand what's going on. Maybe they're going to question us less. They're going to trust us more. But, but also it just, you're, you're establishing that relationship with the family, as opposed to like keeping things a secret. It's like, we want to be fully honest with you. We want to show our value because what we do is valuable. And if you don't know how much work we're putting in, how could someone possibly value what you're doing? Exactly. That's why we need to take a, an approach that a lot more doctors have like during surgeries or operations, they are going to tell you every detail of what is going to happen, what they're doing, the whole process that, that gives the family comfort. Why can't we do the same thing? I, mm -hmm. That's something that I don't understand. I'm fully on board with you is like these families deserve to know what's going on. And if they need to have access or want access, that's an opportunity for them. Of course, the circumstance has to warrant for it because there are some situations where it's like it wouldn't be in their best interest because it would be something that would affect them. Uh, mentally or emotionally, but given the opportunity that it makes sense, why not have that? And why not be more open with what we're doing? Because I think people will just they'll understand what we do more and they'll value more what we do. And it, it's, it's, we need to do that. We need to do it more. And, and, and that, that, you know, I, I, I agree 100% because at the end of the day, 
there is a lot of controversy when it comes to this job, right? People yes. think that we do things, um, you know, we take money, we do this, we do right. that, we're thieves, right. you know, we prey on the weak and Just you know, things like that. And it's, it's not the case, right? No. So the, the, more, the more open you can be, the, the better, yeah. right? So when I, when I think about, you know, if, if when people say, oh, listen, we don't want to, you know, we don't need to show people the prep room because it's, 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 um, it's an art and it's, it's secret. Well, there's nothing, what's so secret about it? Yeah. Right. Why? Like, well, what, yeah, what exactly. Is, like, what is the part of it that needs to be a secret? Like we're, we're, we're doing things that, that we understand. No, I think it stems from like, we want to protect the families and like make sure they're not traumatized or whatever that might be. And I understand that, but it's like, why do we need to hide those things that we're doing? Like, I just, I, it, it, that's what gives people that, that feeling that, that sort of yucky feeling, if you, if you know what I'm saying, because yeah. they feel like they're, they're doing things that shouldn't be done. If you can't yeah. talk about it, then why, why not? You know, and, and, that's so bad that, that you can't tell me what's going on. And I, and I've said this before and I will say it until I'm blue in the face and probably lying in, in a casket somewhere. <laughs> if the family is paying for a service they have every right to see what happens now again this does come with some guidelines if you will right yeah. i'm not saying that you know if if the mom or dad wants to see their their son being you know uh embalmed or or that but you know yeah. if they want to say listen you know, he, he was, a, he was afraid of the dark, you know, he didn't like this or didn't like that or whatever it could have been. We want to see where our loved one will be resting. Would you be okay with that? If it's a simple look in the prep room and, you know, say, you know, see the table, you know, a clean facility, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's a room, but it's a room where we are housing, you know, the everybody's uh, everybody's families and it's it's just something that i i feel should not be secretive there's nothing secretive that like again we're not housing area 51 we're not holding top secret yeah. government documents right this right. is this is someone's loved one and we should at least be open-minded to allowing you know the openness yeah giving them the opportunity as needed or asked and um of course comes with with different stipulations as long as it's able to do so for whatever reason because we don't want to traumatize but most of the time or 90 whatever percent of the time it's going to be a fine situation for a family to be able to see after we're done with our processes that way they're looking their best and um, yeah. it, it would be a fine experience for someone as long as you're up up front and you're honest with them like this is what you're going to see you're going to go in there and they will, you know, they're going to have, you know, a suture, they're going to have a diaper on whatever that might be. Or like, if you, if you had to do some other work, you just need to articulate that stuff. And then that experience, like it won't be as shocking or it, it, it will be something that maybe will give them a good positive last memory. And, um, I, you know, I think I think that's a fine thing to do and something that we shouldn't be scared to do for a family if if that's what their wish ever was. Yeah. And 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 you know, when like we've had many families, like I said, that we've had many families into our, our, our prep room and 
you know, we always give them a heads up. Hey, this is what to expect going in. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the conversations come up of as, well, you know, there's a good chance a funeral home might get sued if we allow the family into the prep room. Why? 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 If you want them to sign a waiver form saying that you are entering a secured area, yeah. you know, whatever you want to make it out to be. So that way the family may or may not be able to come back onto you. Okay, then do so. But, yeah. you know, why, why is your first reaction about being sued? Right. What are you doing wrong that your first reaction is to be sued? Yeah. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the funeral homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you, and I agree with all that. I think um, it's it's an opportunity for us to, to get in front of things and really um, – there's no reason we should be hiding. And if there is, then that's a different conversation that a funeral home needs to have <laughs> yeah, with themselves. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm, I'm totally with you there, but uh, Mac, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I, I can't wait to have a jaundice. <laughs> I, I hope I get one tomorrow because I learned, I learned so much from you and I want to give this a shot. You know what, when you do <laughs> let me know. And if you want, you know, message me on, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, like I know I was, uh, in core uh, communication, yeah. just, yeah, shoot me a message because it, it, the, the first time is never easy, but if you have someone to walk through step by step by step, yeah, reach out to me. I, like I said, my, my jaundice bodies have never failed me. And I've actually, the one that we just did, I was able to hold for two and a half weeks. Wow. That's impressive. And maybe, uh, I'll get that formula for, for everyone so that they can have, uh, have access to that and hey. be able to use it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Good deal. Well, it's great to meet you, Mac. Thanks so much for joining us on the mortuary show. Mm -hmm.